Good morning, everybody. It is July 18th, 2023. And this is the meeting of the Vail Town Council. I believe we have all members except one in attendance. And we're starting out this morning with our uh, first meeting about our 2024 budget. So we're going to do a budget preview and, and discuss our budget. And I believe we'll, we'll start with a presentation by our finance director, Carly. Thank you, and welcome everyone to the 2024 budget kickoff meeting. We hold this meeting every year before we meet with departments to get your feedback um, on some preliminary revenue projections and just give a high-level preview to get your feedback. This is really meant to be a discussion, so feel free to give feedback and comments as we go through the presentation. So first, when departments are working towards developing a budget, we look at supporting the priorities and your goals. On a high level, um, that is to be the premier international resort community by growing a balanced community, <clears throat> enhancing the local economy, preserving our environment, and elevating the experience. Over the years, staff and council have worked to develop standard budget philosophies and practices over time. So this budget uh, will reflect the town's vision and support the council action plan. Our revenues are projected conservatively using analytical and trending processes such as forecasting. Uh, we develop a five-year financial projection for all of our major funds, and that includes a capital improvement plan. And um, we just like to look at the importance of reserve fund balances so that the town can withstand unforeseen events and economic downturns. Um, however, recently we have used general fund reserves past the minimum uh, to be appropriated for master planning projects, special events, some one-time contributions, and capital investments. The annual budget process is meant to be thorough and comprehensive and allow for informed appropriations in accordance with fiscal policies and objectives. And then we have developed some uh, additional internal policies and that is keeping general fund reserves at 35% of revenues and that is approximately 20 million. Sales tax, uh, we have split between the general fund and capital projects fund at 62% to the general fund and 38% to the capital projects fund. Probably that sales tax split is, that's simply a policy that that's could a be changed. That's a policy that could be changed. Mm -hmm. um, we actually did, if you remember back during COVID, we did propose to change it, um, but then ended up not needing to because revenues came in much better than expected. And then the town will operate within annual revenue, revenue streams with the exception of a recession. 
before we dive into revenue projections, I first wanted to highlight some economic updates that we've been hearing from um, the community anecdotally and just some things that we've been hearing that's been going on. So inflation overall is moderating. However, it still remains higher than the Federal Reserve's uh, target rate of 2%. So interest rates are expected to stay pretty high um, through next year. Labor markets are still tight. Um, unemployment rate within Colorado is just 2.8%. And nationally and within Colorado, growth is expected to slow in the second half of 2023. We've been hearing anecdotally from the business community that visitation levels are back to 2019. So we have had an increase in inflation and prices, but in terms of visitation is decreasing. Currently, lodging rates are still holding high. Um, and then just something to be aware of is we have the new residence, uh, Marriott Residence Inn, that's expected to open in late 2023. So that could give lodging tax and um, sales tax from lodging tax a little bit of bump. There is 146 units there. We have a projection of sales tax, lodging tax, that would be kind of a rough ballpark. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm estimating it'll bring in about $500,000 in sales tax annually. Russ, could you move your mic some closer? Oh. <laughs> um, and then just a reminder that the town's recession plan, if needed, can be implemented very quickly. I know um, economically, it's still, there is some uncertainty. So just a reminder that we can implement that extremely fast, if needed. So there is a lot going on this chart, um, but I'll try to break it down. Sales tax is the town's largest revenue source, which makes up about 40% of the town's total revenues. This chart is a historical look back at sales tax collections season by season, back to 2019, which was really considered a normal year before COVID. But as you can see, sales tax revenues have increased quite a bit since then. Um, 2020 was obviously the year that was most affected by closings. And then you can see that in 2021, that green color, that uh, sales tax starts to come back and exceeds 2019 in the summer. 2022 shows a pretty dramatic increase in sales tax collections, especially in the early winter season. Um, and so, to set the stage for the 2024 proposed budget, I first want to walk through the 2023 forecast, which is in purple. The 2023 forecast, um, January through April, so that first bar, is actual collections, which is pacing 6% ahead of 2022. And as a reminder, it was a really great snow year um, and visitation was still high. Um, but we are seeing a slowing in that. 
So to reflect a normalization in visitation, I am forecasting the remainder of 2022, 2023 down 2% from the prior year. So both summer and then November and December. So looking to 2024, um, overall I'm reflecting a 3.6% decrease in the early winter season, January through April. Again, maybe there it's a more normal snow year um, and more normal visitation. And then the remainder of the year was flat with 2023 forecast, which is already uh, forecasted down 2% from 2022. So I thought it was interesting to look at how our sales tax categories compared to CPI and inflation. Um, so what this chart is looking at are different categories, accommodation services, food and beverage, retail, um, and then other. And seeing that increase between 2019 and 2022. Between 2019, and the end of 2022, accommodation services, uh, sales tax revenues increased 51%. F&B increased 26%. Retail increased 40%, and then the other category increased 21%. Comparing that to CPI, um, CPI had an increase of 17%. So I dove a little deeper into that, um, and especially into the accommodation services. And what that majority, although there was an increase in visitation, ADR in 2019 was 484 compared to 761 in 2022. So that's a 57% increase in annual average daily rate. Um, within that retail category, there was some outliers that just did um, really well, as well as some new stores, so that brought that up. Um, but then F&B and other um, aligned more closely with inflation um, and what we maybe expect with some increase in visitation. Are there any questions before I dive into more projections? I think that, that research about the ADR is interesting and what, what we've heard the um, presentations from the Dustometrics, I believe, yeah, they, they warn us that we're kind of approaching that, that yeah. cap area there where we can't, you know, don't want to expect that to go any higher and to yeah, it'll remain be, competitive. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see if those rates can stay that way. Mia, we've had some recent discussions in the Economic Advisory Committee about ADRs, and it's a good discussion with our hotel community, and they're kind of seeing we may be in a place where we need to moderate those numbers, but they're not doing it yet. We, um, Chris, actually put together a quick comparison straight from 2019. Quickly, we're going to take a very close look at 2019 versus 2023 um, as to on the books ADRs and occupancies because we were we were really curious about what that normalization might look like, and so I just got it yesterday, so I haven't taken a look at it yet, but we'll have more information on that soon. Thanks. 
comfortable with kind of revenue projections? I mean, that's a huge, important assumption and a good <coughs> of analysis, but that's an important starting point with any budget is, are we being conservative enough? Are we being realistic? conservative enough? Sorry, Barry. I, my only question would be, are we being conservative enough? 2% seems, um, that would just be my question. Again, any basis, Carly, with your thoughts on the projection based on looking at previous recessions? Um, everything I've heard from economists is this is a strange, different type of economic phenomenon that, that's kind of teeing up. It's not a traditional recession. Anything further from a historical standpoint? Well, I'm not. The projections don't include that, like expecting that we're going into a recession. Um, we can implement the recession plan if need be. But, um, you know, inflation is still high. So I think even with a decrease in visitation, inflation could still offset that. Um, so I do, I think a 1% decrease over 2023 and flat with 2022 is conservative, but we can go back and look at that as well. This past year has gone so fast because I remember having the exact same conversation in this room last year. Right. Yeah, it's so hard to know, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, I just think if you look at 2019 and if that's where people are saying that's where we're going, I don't know. It's just. It's pre flat with 19. That's where we're going with visitation, but um, as you can see, ADRs are up and where CPI increased 17% over that time period. And, and how are we landing uh, with projections um, for this year's budget? I mean, it, typically there's a lot of savings and projected expenses and, and whatnot. So mm -hmm. how is this year? Can you comment on, on that in terms of how that factored into your projections for next year? Yes. So 2023 is pacing 6% ahead of 2022 currently. We did increase the budget. Um, it's pacing pretty much flat, but that was um, based on some updated projections. And then to be conservative, for the remainder of 2023, I'm projecting that down 2% from 2022. And it is only July right now, so we've still got a couple of months. Yeah, that's a good point. We will continue to reevaluate sales tax and um, our other revenue sources as we go through the budget process because it is still really early. That's important if you wanted us to look at a scenario of a more conservative revenue projection. You know, I don't have a strong passion. I just want to know how we yeah. arrive. I'm not. You're the expert. I just asked them. I just feel like the last two years, a couple of years, we've been on a hamster wheel and it's just bound to slow down and we've, we've got to get off it eventually. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's going to slow down. Yep. I mean, that's my, that's my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Carly, when you do your ADR, does that include STRs or is that the only hotels when you get the ADR? Because your sales tax will also, you know, accommodations include STRs, but maybe not your ADR. Those are, Mia, those only include. We just, we just started getting key data 
So yeah, we so can definitely take another look at that. I don't think it's going to it's going to vary dramatically because what we're seeing is pretty consistent. We're looking at kind of like a complementary data set between the two. So in that ADR, it's just um, hotels. Mm -hmm. So um, we can look at the other or other major revenue sources that the town has. Um, so first, I will just touch on housing sales tax. I have forecasted that at five million, in line with the town's general sales tax. So flat with 2022 and down one percent from 2023. I'll just mention quickly property taxes because I have a few slides after this that we can discuss that. But um, included within the current projections is 8.4 million. And that's based on an estimated 50% increase in assessed values. Lift tax um, is projected at 6.7 million. This is a 3% increase compared to 2022 and a 4% increase compared to the 2023 forecast. 2023 lift tax collections, uh, so January through April, are currently pacing down 1% from the prior year. Um, however, kind of looking to the next season, past prices, Vail Resorts um, has an 8% increase in past prices for the 2023-2024 winter season. Hey, Carly, when was the last time we raised the lift tax? I don't think we... Near the session. would imagine that's ever been. Yeah, and again, maybe Jane, never. That would require a vote of the people. Correct. Mm -hmm. Based on taper. Yeah, it would, yeah. It's, it would take a little research shoot probably because it was weirdly established and more established in <clears> the <throat> at the time it was done instead of a tax, which you don't need to vote for, but I imagine uh, if you were gonna treat it as a true tax and, and, and raise it by a percentage or something, it would be an election. So I think that property tax is too high. I mean, I understand our valuations went up, but all the chatter that I feel like I'm hearing is how fired up people are and it's resonating down in Denver. I think it would be safer to project something, you know, closer to 5.7 and then we can be surprised to the upside but I mean I I personally was involved in probably seven property tax mm -hmm. disputes on my own and I mm -hmm. can only imagine there's so many other people out there that are doing the same thing so right. I mean there's is it HH or something like that isn't there there's a bill a bill proposition yeah. HA I don't even so that, that's an interesting I don't know what we've discovered in terms of a potential uh, credit to us yeah. to full-time homeowners so I, I do have a few slides on property tax that will go through that but um, that specific bill because we are home rule would not impact, would not apply would not impact oh, us but I mean also just generally I mean I think there's a lot that we should yep. really there's think about with property tax and what we're able to do and how we look at property tax mm -hmm. um, moving forward mm -hmm. um, and then I guess as far as the the um, the lift tax I think it's just understanding the calculation like I know that people have had meetings but if someone asked me how it worked I'd be like I don't know 
Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like most people in VR say, I don't know. So I just, I just want to understand it. And I think that, you know, it's great that they add more resorts and all that, but that doesn't like lessen the impact on our mountain. So we just need to make sure that we're getting a fair shake with how that works. And, and, and really also just, we can describe it in third grade English. Carly, I'm curious. We've chatted about this. Do you have an algorithm you understand? I do. I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of it. Um, and we can bring forward a little presentation or memo on how that's calculated. Thanks. Um, so the last major revenue source on this slide is parking revenues, and that is projected at nine million. Currently, um, 2023 is pacing 12% ahead of 2022. So that nine million I have basically up 12% from 2022 and 2% down from the 2023 forecast. So again, just a slight dip in visitation, um, maybe a not as good a snow year as we had last year. Construction use tax reflects a 13% increase compared to 2022, but flat with the 2023 forecast. Construction activity is slowing. However, on the flip side of that, costs have increased. The budget currently does not include any high dollar commercial projects, so we will continue to work with ComDev to refine this number as we go through the budget process um, if they hear about any large projects coming through. Construction revenues, which includes permits um, and design review fees, is budgeted at 1.7 million. Um, as I mentioned, construction activity is slowing, but the difference between use tax and the construction revenues is our fees are not increasing, like um, use tax would have an increase from the increase in pricing. RUT is very cyclical um, and also difficult to predict and forecast. The town has experienced record highs in both sales volume and sales prices over the past few years. And although sales prices have slightly continued to increase at a more normal pace, volume has decreased substantially. In total, real estate volume is down 40%. Um, while the average price per property that we're seeing is 1% higher compared to the prior year. For 2024, I've conservatively budget, budgeted 5.8 million, which is uh, slightly above the 2023 forecast, but is a 40% decrease from 2022. And then- Pete, out of curiosity, I've just, meeting with several real estate agents with very different perspectives on the real estate market. you have any thoughts on that? Well, the, some were optimistic, some were pessimistic. I, well, I'm going to be optimistic all the time if I can, but I have to, you know, to, do, to be able to make sales. But the thing, it's really a, a case of low inventory and sellers that don't have to sell that like their prices. And, and so the, the buyers kind of backed away from the market for a little bit, and then it, that'll come back in time, but, but we don't know how, how long that'll take. 
So across all funds, um, projected revenues are at 97.3 million. That is a 2% increase from 2022 actuals and a 1% increase from the 2023 forecast. And again, we will continue to monitor and adjust revenues throughout the budget process. Okay, now I want to jump more into property taxes. Property taxes generally represent about 10% of the town's annual revenues, which is around 5.7 million. We have stayed at that 5.7 million for the past four years because during COVID, the timing of the assessments um, affected commercial properties. So that we had stayed at that 5.7 million. Prior to that, um, an average increase in our revenues per assessment period was a 10% increase for the previous three increases. Um, and so what we've heard is that residential property taxes are expected to increase between 40 and 60%. We don't have our preliminary valuations from the county yet. They, those are due to us at the end of August. Um, and then we'll have final valuations in December. Um, and it's also worth noting that because of the new bill on the ballot, the town will not certify levies until after year end. Um, usually that happens in December. There have been some recent Senate bills um, and most of them have not affected us. So a couple years ago, Town of Vale voters voted to allow for increases in the mill levy without increasing taxes. So that um, last year we were able to slightly increase the mill levy to offset a decrease in assessment rates. This new bill that is going, um, will be on the ballot in November. Home rule towns are exempted. But there was a bill signed into law in June that can apply to us. And it allows us to provide a temporary tax relief through a credit um, and allows us to reduce our mill levy and restore that mill levy later, which prior to was really difficult to do. And that restoration is a simple act of the council. Yes. Mm -hmm. To keep the mill levy changed, you would have to vote on it annually. I wanted to show you how um, a 50% increase in valuation affects different property values. So for example, if your previous property tax valuation in 2022 was 1 million, you would have paid $335 to the town. Um, this is only including town of Vail property taxes. I haven't included you know, Eagle counties um, or any special districts in here. Um, if you had a 50% increase in your valuation, uh, your new valuation would be 1.5 million and your property tax value, or property taxes paid to the town of Vail would increase to $503. So your estimated annual property tax increase is $168.
And kind of as you can see, obviously, the higher home values, maybe the second homeowners, are more impacted by this than a, a local would be. Anything um, you want to talk more about on property taxes before we go into reserves? I make one other comment. That is that the, the second homeowners, uh, we just n almost never get a complaint about the property tax number when they're coming in from the East Coast or California, wherever it is. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, I don't know. I'll be curious to see. I don't think you get much of, a, of an effect going forward, even though it's going up the way it is. Mm -hmm. um, and our property taxes are even one of the, even the lowest in the county and the state. We're one of the lowest in the country. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay, so now we're going to move on to reserves. Um, before we go into expenditures, so you can really see what will be available to spend. In 2023, um, reserves are decreasing by 144 million to 89.1 million, um, and that is really related to capital project spending. In 2023, we have a placeholder of 4.7 million to purchase town of Vail employee housing units. There is a net 4.3 million for electric buses. <coughs> 5.7 for residences at Mainvale, that's above and beyond the bond proceeds. We have some fire truck replacements, the roundabout lighting upgrade, and 2.5 million for the Vale Indeed program. Carly, how much did we spend in Vale Indeed in this past year? Oh, the, the actual money spent on the Vale Indeed has decreased. It's uh, less than 500000 I believe. So we may have already hit the ceiling on Indeed purchases? I don't know. Yeah, probably yeah, low inventory, just interest so rates. Homes are so expensive, even with that amount. I mean, I don't know where the housing group is with the amount of money they're comfortable putting towards each of these projects. Or, sorry, not projects, but homes. Mm -hmm. When you've got a, what, 800 square foot unit going for 1.2 million, it's tough for somebody to justify that, huh? Yeah. Or come up with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> this chart shows the town's total reserves for the four main funds, the general fund, capital fund, real estate transfer tax fund and the housing fund. Each is represented by a different color. And then I also have the reserve minimum for the general fund on there in purple. So um, this chart shows that capital and rep funds during 2022 were able to be built up. Um, however, we will be spending them down in 2023 and then more in 2024 and 2025. Included in the reserves projection is to cash fund the Timber Ridge uh, site and podium costs. 
as well as to purchase one of the buildings. I'm using debt financing, but the need to subsidize a portion of that. And I also included in here is cash funding uh, for Dobson. Dobson and Timber Ridge will both be paid back, but that'll be over time. So you can see in 2027 and 2028, reserves start being built back up again. So Brett has a zero fund balance in 2028? Yes, yeah. almost. It's like seven seven thousand dollars um, that's based on the current five-year plan, which has not been updated, and we'll get to that slide in a little bit, but um, there is the, our departments have not gone through it yet, so that could change. So again, you know, moving forward, assuming there's a $12 million expenditure as planned, um, RED is essentially funding operations. You had a few projects identified in a slide but those projects plus operations, and that's about it. Yes, um, at a level of around six to seven million in real estate transfer tax collections, you're only able to fund current operations and a little bit of capital maintenance without expanding programs or um, major capital improvements or new new capital assets. And RET operations has, has taken on, I mean, more things than it typically yes. was set up to do. Mm -hmm. So it'd be interesting to kind of look at how that has shifted. So can you like a little bit of a historical perspective from when it was just funding open space and landscaping parks to where it is now, which includes environmental and fire, as I understand. Mm -hmm. fire. Yeah, I think it's just helpful to know like you know, it seems to be, oh, yeah, well, we can do this and fund it with RET and fund it with RET and fund it with RET and keeps getting, you know, now we're seeing the implications of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was set up um, primarily for that open space acquisition. And so there should be a chunk there available at all times for that kind of like emergent response that typically is needed for some kind of acquisition or, or quick, quick deal like that. Um, that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the message is based on those programs we won't have. I mean, this is going to be a very tight vote. Yeah. For the next well, one. we can see that. Yeah. 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 Uh, so while reserves do increase 2027 and 2028, there still is a lot of unfunded projects coming up um, that council has identified as priorities. This includes West Middle Creek housing development, um, as well as the Civic Center and a municipal building. Westvale Master Plan, the development of the CDOT Eastvale parcel, um, the CDOT Eagleville par parcel, that could include partnerships with other municipalities, a permanent location for the Children's Garden of Learning, um, the Nature Center redevelopment is still on this list. Outcomes from the Ford Park Master Plan and um, future parking structure redevelopments. So basically, kind of the town will need to start looking at new revenue sources possibly, such as summer paid parking, maybe an increase in lodging tax to fund events, uh, look at maybe a new TIF district in the future. 
additional public-private partnerships to fund some of these, explore additional debt, and then also utilize a save-and-pay approach. Okay, on to operating expenditures. After Council's feedback today, departments will be going back and putting together their operating budgets for 2024, which will of course focus on Council's goals and priorities. This slide includes some priority items uh, that we can expect to see in the draft proposal, um, but would really welcome your feedback. This is um, a focus on customer service, um, as well as recruitment, retention, and competitive pay. We also expect to see increases in prices across the board, um, utilities, supplies, things like that. There will also be outcomes from the destination stewardship plan, an expansion to add mail delivery, UPS, FedEx to the loading and delivery program, electric vehicle readiness initiatives, housing programs, transportation and mobility initiatives using uh, additional parking funds, and then an increase in snowmelt operations for either a geothermal or electric hybrid model. One thing just to note, um, again, we'll be meeting with departments individually looking at different requests for employees and additional fees. One of the things I think we're beginning to factor in is we can no longer just look at salary benefits. The reality is, and it's already been part of our discussion, is do we have housing? Um, and right now with the island of unaffordability increasing in the valley and $800,000, $900,000 homes in, in gypsum um, and eagle or higher, um, it's just it's causing all the employers, I think, in the Valley to think about, you know, is there just a hard cost that comes with a, a, an employee, particularly when you're hiring, um, with also factoring in housing. CDOT's already doing that directly and providing a pretty significant stipend uh, for plow drivers. I don't know if that went away, Greg, or if that stained. No, that's um, a, actually, it just put more pressure on them because, yeah. They got people to actually fill their positions, so they're actually the tunnel was for the first time ever has been fully staffed, and 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 so the plow operators that it solved their problem, but it just took from other areas of the state. But um, they will continue that because it was very successful for this quarter. So I've asked Carly just to look at you know what are some reasonable assumptions, kind of as just with existing employees as we look at succession planning uh, within the organization. You know, is there an additional cost for housing that we need to factor in uh, to be realistic in terms of recruiting employees? It's not an easy one to figure out. <laughs> this is a high-level summary of the town's general fund over the next five years. The general fund funds the majority of the town's operations, um, including department spending, events, as well as personnel expenditures. I have built preliminarily into this a transfer to Timber Ridge to help fund the site and podium costs. There's also a um, 
I have 4.3 million currently to fund the Timber Ridge purchase of a building. And then there is a transfer to the Capital Projects Fund to help cash flow Dobson. The takeaway here is that we'll be using general fund reserves to help cash flow some of these priority projects over the next few years. So reserves in the general fund will decline down to 31.2 million in 2024 and 43.3 million in 2025. But then we'll start to increase again as the site and podium costs are paid back um, and Dobson is paid back by the Vail Reinvestment Authority. What, what the $4.3 million for the Timber Ridge building? Mm -hmm. How are we getting such a great deal on that building? So that's, that's just the portion that we would need to subsidize to keep rents below. So you're assuming we're borrowing the and rest. Assuming okay. we're borrowing, yep. Any word from the county as to whether or not they're going to help us out? Yeah, I'll fill you in uh, on, you know, so again, they've re we've had to be a little tempered in our discussion given our recent discussions around a potential solution. I'll share something with you in executive session today on Booth Heights that I, I think opens that door again. So yes, they're interested and they're asking for specific information. Um, I've had to pause my discussions given uh, some of our recent discussions around the funds. Um, so at the November 1st meeting, um, you'll get a first draft of the town manager budget and that's when you'll see a full view of operating expenditures. Uh, proposed for 2024. Okay, so um, behind our capital plan, we do have some fundamentals and policies that we've built around that. With priority first given to maintaining and protecting the town's current assets before funding new um, or major improvements. Um, in addition, there are some additional guiding factors that we look at. Um, revenues within the Capital Projects Fund are used for capital projects um, and identified through the Capital Improvement Plan. Priorities, uh, the priorities the departments, boards and commissions and town council are collectively considered in our plan. Only the current year is appropriated by council. Projects in the later years represent a plan and not a budget. Um, and then capital expenditures are funded by Capital Projects Fund, RET Fund, and the Housing Fund. Similar to the General Fund, uh, this slide gives a five-year forecast summary of the Capital Projects Fund. On average, uh, the town spends about six to seven million maintaining current assets. The capital fund also funds 1.2 million of debt service payments for the public workshops. And then I just want to point out in 2025, 
that there is a placeholder for Dobson included, which is why the total expenditures jump up to 58.2 million. Cash flowing Dobson will save the town approximately $7.5 million in interest uh, as opposed to bonding on the VRA funds. And this will be paid back in full by 2030. Uh, but again, the story, even with the capital projects fund, is reserves will de decrease, which limits the amount of new capital projects the town can fund until those reserves are increased again, which I'm projecting is really back in 2028. Similar to capital, this is a five-year summary of the real estate transfer tax fund, which we kind of already touched on. But environment, our capital projects funds environmental, parks, wildland, AIPP, as well as nature center operations, and then there are several annual contributions to our community partners that are funded out of here, like the Betty Ford Alpine Gardens. During 2020 and 2022, we saw increased collections from real estate sales. However, that is slowing. And so at the level of revenues we're seeing in 2023 and projecting for 2024, again, that only funds operations without adding any new programs um, and a small portion of annual capital maintenance to maintain our current assets. And then last, we have the housing fund, um, which I also want to point out will be utilizing reserves to help fund the Timber Ridge site and podium costs, but again, will be paid back uh, as those buildings and units are sold. The Vale and Deed program is still funded as a $2.5 million transfer from the Capital Projects Fund. Um, and these funds are utilized for other housing, housing projects if they're not used for Indeed. How much was the Vale Indeed expense in 2022, roughly? I'm trying to see if we're sticking at that lower number. I don't have that off okay. the top of my head, but I can get okay, that for thanks. you. One question about Vale Indeed funds and just how does it make sense that we transfer funds into the housing fund instead of transfer I don't know I know that some of it's for internal housing and you know because we kind of sometimes we buy a unit or thinking we're going to sell it but then we end up using it for town staff I just didn't know if that makes it worse or easier so I do adjust the fund for that if we end up keeping it it's paid for by the capital fund and not by the housing fund um, keeping keep those funds separate. The housing fund sales tax has just been used for community housing projects and not internal housing projects. Cut. In the current year, five-year capital plan, which again has not been updated, there are a few <coughs> large projects um, there's 1.5 million for design for a veiled transit center expansion, which is offset by a $750,000 grant from CDOT. There is 1.3 million for phase two of the roundabout lighting project. 
There is the data center equipment replacement, which is reaching end of life. Again, there's a $2.5 million transfer for Vale Indeed. And then $3 million overall for snowmelt system replacements. In Rutt, there's a small project, I think it's $400,000 for pedestrian connectivity from South Renage Road near Dobson Arena. And then the big one is $32.8 million to cash fund Timber Ridge site and podium costs. I have currently proposed $23.8 million from the general fund and $9 million from the housing fund for that. Are all those projects understood and clear? Another very significant capital project that I think we need to start thinking about now is the redevelopment of the Lion's Head and Vale Village parking structures. The Lion's Head structure was built in 1980 and Vale Village was built in 1974. Both structures are requiring about $250,000 to $300,000 annually for structural maintenance. Um, and if we keep going, putting that much into it annually, the lion's head structure will have an estimated 10 to 15 years before needing to be rebuilt. And then Vell Village may have between 15 and 20 years. These will be very significant expenditures. Um, and the town most likely won't be able to just use financing to pay for this. Each structure could cost you know, over $150 million, plus would have impacts to annual operations. So looking ahead, we're researching additional revenue streams to help pay for that, or either, even looking at restricting some current funds to at least save and pay for a portion of the future redevelopment. Early in this budget, we're proposing you know, a, a number to begin Reserving. Not right now, um, but wanted to get your feedback on if you are in favor of looking at additional revenue streams or possibly just restricting, you know, maybe an annual two to five million each year to go towards that. Can you take that out of revenue for apartment revenues? Yes, it would. Well, um, it would just kind of be taken out of reserves each year until that's built up. What's the difference between the 25% number we were at and 35% that we're at right now? Kind of that reserve, because I remember that was one, something that we changed. I don't remember what the rationale was behind it. I'm, I'm sure there was one, but I don't, maybe that's something we could look at, kind of the 25 you know, that difference between 25 where the town historically operated at with reserves and where we're at now with 35%. And kind of see, you know, what, what has that been and just kind of looking at, you know, just, just have a conversation about reserves at those two different levels and say, okay, well, where are we? Where, you know, at a 25% level, this is where we are. We feel comfortable with X, Y, and Z at 35%. Mm -hmm. And we would always still have the ability, but we could still just kind of, kind of earmark that, that difference, that 10%. Also looking ahead at how you might redevelop 
the structures to include, you know, either additional um, spaces and additional revenues or, you know, housing or whatever it might be to help offset some of those costs. Yeah, I mean, this is an area where we probably do need to look at our revenue sources. You know, Breckenridge didn't, at the end of the day, it wasn't easy, but they came to a, uh, a resolution with Vail Resorts on lift tax. So, again, this might be an area where there's a, a strong correlation. With I mean, the other thing is just, just a full redevelopment RFP. I mean, it was well before my time that I was paying attention to local politics, but the Lions had structure <laughs> yeah. garnered some interest, and I'm sure Vail, the Vail Village structure would garner some interest. just depends on prioritizing what our yeah. parking needs are and, you know, never Vail, you know, there's a lot of just different pieces of municipal site, like, right. how does it all kind of fit together so that we have the right parking in the right places and potential revenue streams mm -hmm. available. Yeah. And also local marketing district could be funding special events and Correct. things like that as well. You know, reapportion some of our monies rather than just throwing it at websites and all that other good stuff. And you recall that they changed that law too, so mm -hmm. they, they really expanded the use of those funds beyond what was. Right, and it might be a lot easier to take it from there than to take it from our general fund. Mia, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Can you talk about what our options are there just so we have that color? Well, Matt could probably speak better to, to it than I can. Um, but, but what we have looked at is if we were to bring a ballot initiative, which we explored a couple of years ago, if you guys recall, um, to the voters to increase the tax, um, we could easily sh free up um, not only the special events funding, the Welcome Center funding, um, under the original interpretation of the, the Vail Local Marketing District, and then Matt can speak to the expansion that was uh, approved by the voters last year. Yeah, and I'll recently do the memo, Barry, but um, I think like, I think 90% has to be still, or 90% now can be spent on additional things. Um, the expanded use can go to housing and child care for tourism-related workforce. That was never the case before. It, you know, it was always, uh, it was to special events, no capital other than information centers, but then the most recent expansion allows 90% of the revenues to now go toward housing and child care for the same type of tourism-related activities, which in a town like this, it's almost any, yeah, I mean, pretty broad. Uh, the, the LMDAC has the memo as well. I think Beth and uh, Beth was interested, and, and the, the group got the memo. Um, but I'll send it to you right now. No, yeah, it's a two-page group. But it's, it, I thought it'd be good for the group. You see jurisdictions yeah. around the state that have put forth ballot initiatives successfully to fund childcare, housing, and other impacts associated with tourism. The, the county passed one in November, so 10% yeah. of that goes to marketing, which they're trying to working with all the other entities to make sure that it's complimentary, but yeah. Yeah, 10% has to stay with marketing, but they've opened up 90% of your revenues to the expanded use. And just as a reminder, currently supporting special events to the tune of three. Three million. Mm -hmm. I think something else we really need to talk about is, I think we need to get real specific with our relationship with the county. And I think we need to start having an honest 
very clear, transparent conversation about what the costs are to the town to generate sales tax and property tax that goes west of Dow Junction. I mean, I appreciate a lot of the county services. I'm not discounting any of that. But sales tax is hand-to-hand combat in the town of Vail that is generated by people parking in our structures, shopping in the shops, riding the lifts. You know, we're not selling software. And these are, I mean, $300 million of parking expense. And the benefit that that will drive countywide, it, it's just, it is a burden that is beyond, well, you know, Yes, we benefit from that handsomely here in the town of Vail, but so does everybody else. And so I think we really collectively need to be very specific and have some very blunt, factual conversations (laughs) about some sources and uses of cash. Yeah, just to share with council, I did have a very productive chat with the county manager last Thursday. Uh, hey, Ross. You know, Thank Thanks. you. You know, one where we talked about, you know, the need to kind of enhance uh, communication between uh, BOCC and, and council and the other councils in the valley, but also specifically, how do we define a meaningful, productive partnership? And, you know, there's a variety of areas from housing to childcare to infrastructure, trails, and open space. So, again, I think that would be a productive future conversation. And going back to the um, marketing tax or the lodging tax, the lodging tax, I mean, when we did talk about that, that group was supportive, realizing that it was still fairly low. Wasn't that the case? And that we decided to postpone it because we were asking for the housing tax at that time? Correct. And so, I mean, looking back at our previous slides in terms of the revenue generated through the ADR and all of that, I mean, that might be something worth seriously considering, back to Kevin's point there, um, if there is, you know, we're clearly seeing a need here um, for some additional revenues, and that seems to be one that we've discussed, investigated, and generate could generate a lot um, and could be a low-hanging fruit to help us through this. So I, I think maybe we should consider that. Yeah, we were definitely one of the very lowest um, in, in lodging tax at 1.4%. And when we when we polled it, the only reason we went with housing is because it was actually more important and stronger, right? Yeah. So it was a stronger polling, but it was, I want to say, still 50-50. It was a pretty mm-hmm. strong poll. Um, just not quite where we wanted it to be. So that was 2019, probably. I mean, and as long as that that, that group is supportive and they see where the money's going to go and how it's going to benefit them, I think that could be a wise move. And another factor in that, I think, you know, when you guys did that polling, we couldn't use the marketing tax for housing. Right. So you were, yeah, it was it was not available until 2022 uh, when when they expanded the use. but in terms of the events, you know, we're, that's what we're looking for is a bigger chunk to um, directly pull out of there for the events so it doesn't need to come from the general fund. Welcome centers as well. Welcome centers as well. Yeah, there's other things that I'm sure we could, it, it is very well justified. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the other one, I think, was discussed when you had the housing tax was also potentially short-term rental fees was going to be the other half of the housing bucket and I know 
we had that discussion, but when you look at property taxes, property taxes, residential, there's no differential between short-term rental people and full-time. And so if you are trying to incentivize full-time residents and then not necessarily, they get the same tax rate as short-term rental people, you may relook at your fees as a way to adjust on, on property taxes. So they're equivalent with commercial? They're not. No, I'm saying right, 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 suggesting yeah, yeah. that we look at short-term rentals and their taxes so that they're equivalent with the commercial right? Yeah, that's what you're suggesting. Would that be something we can do, or would that have to come from the state? No, I mean, you certainly have the flexibility to, Preston, you, I believe, Avon, have they done a special short-term rental tax? So other jurisdictions have tax that I believe that's been part of previous discussions. I guess a high-level recommendation, you know, this is maybe fast-forwarding to later in the, in the discussion is, you know, there's the need to look at different revenue sources for different purposes. You know, we're going to, you're going to hear a presentation on DOPS and that would, if you approved it and if you liked it, that would fully ex, uh, expend the remaining TIF funds to deal with the infrastructure with Town Hall and others, there's going to be a need to be a new revenue source. Um, you've got other needs, including, you know, just a growing demand for housing that could merit, you know, looking at short-term rentals. Um, so I think, you know, if the council would like, you know, I'm happy to, and I think that's a specific discussion um, that we can integrate into the budget process and then into a future strategic planning process of how do you pair different revenue sources with different needs. But again, that's the big message you're seeing is we certainly have more capital projects and uh, just some failing infrastructure that we'll need to uh, plan for in the future and think about new revenue sources with that. So then would you look at projections of how much we could raise with those things? Yeah. And then, okay, so for instance, the STR tax. Yeah. And then, and, then, and then you'll have to be strategic about, you know, you can't ask for everything at once. You know, um, how do we do that over time? Um, and address the most pressing needs. Have we looked at how much summer parking revenue would raise if we charge for summer parking? Um, Greg didn't hear that, but um, <laughs> that is, I think, part of the discussion is, you know, what could you generate with summer revenue? And I, I think you'll see recommendations forthcoming about that. Well, great photo there on the parking structure. <laughs> I know. I'm enjoying it. I the found photos it on the internet. I found it on the internet. Let's go recognize it with that as Sebastian's uh, garage. Sebastian's garage. Sebastian's garage. Yep. Okay. Okay. garage. All right, sweet. Yeah, and Stan, Stan has a nice stash. And Adam Aaron's so lastly, the town does have the ability to utilize the Vail Reinvestment Authority funds for projects within the district. As Russ mentioned, though, um, the, if you went forward with Dobson, that would utilize the rest of those funds. The fund balance is projected to be $2.7 at the end of 2023, and we have projected an estimate, estimated $45 million of available funds that can be spent um, until the Vail Reinvestment Authority expires in June 30th, 2030. Out of curiosity, Carly, if we don't expend it by 
June 30th to 2030, do we have to refund? We do. Which would be yes. Which would be yes. Yeah. Don't do that. That's like don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. We'll help you with that problem. Write the last check June 29th. Yeah, and that is the check has to be written at the door. I know there's varying opinions, and I'm not sure what mine exactly is on this, but um, you know, it is the John A. Dobson Arena, and we know it's going to cost well over uh, 45 million there, and you know, one of the largest sources of uh, income, you know, revenues here is our uh, you know large home population, and have we you know philanthropic dollars can typically go into these kinds of facilities like this. I mean, you could have the Travis A. Coggin roof or bleachers. Travis L. Oh, oh, oh. The Ortiz bleachers or whatever you want to do. Um, not taking the Dobson name away, but, you know, people will commonly um, gravitate around facilities like this for those kinds of things. So I, I know there's varying opinions on that, but... Uh, it could be something to consider just for this, you know, for, for particular facilities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people who love, love hockey, love ice, you know, and, and they're not going to give to something else. Even talked about within the facility, you'll hear more about this um, for a large scoreboard. You know, could that be sponsored by somebody? Or the plaza in front of it. Or all the chairs. Yep. Broncos Stadium has all the chairs. Bathrooms. Bathrooms. Concessions. I mean, and Barry Davis. We have Memorial. Um, yeah, Memorial. Oh my God. Buy, like, yeah. Spread my ashes in the dark. Thank you. We have had the, the conversation at some time about hiring a, a grant writer, but you know, with that kind of thing, it's more of a it, that's not necessarily a grant writer, although it could be. But it just seems like there's a lot of projects, not all of them, but some of them have that kind of appeal for different sources of funds. So whether it's um, individual donors or grant funds, there's, it seems like that's yet another revenue stream that is not currently being tapped. Yeah, Judge Buck's endowment fund. Yes, that's right. He's the one who's mentioned it. That's not Dale. Okay, so um, I'm just going to recap some of the budget challenges before we go into some question, final questions for you guys. So first, um, a challenge is making sure we can ensure the long-term financial sust sustainability, and that kind of goes hand-in-hand -hand with looking at RET um, as well as looking at additional FTEs our operations and cost increases, looking at additional revenues. Um, we also will have limited reserves because we will be using them to upfront cash Timber Ridge and maybe Dobson. There will be an uh, increased need to prioritize capital projects as well as operating programs because we won't have the funds to do everything right now. 
Looking ahead, and Russ kind of touched on this earlier, we'll need to look for internal housing for all levels of employees, um, from you know the bus drivers to directors. We also need to look at funding for future parking structure redevelopments. Even though it's 10 to 15 years away, this is gonna have significant impacts to the town. So it's important that we start looking at uh, reserves, operations, and debt capacity for this. Another item is RET. Um, going back to kind of a normal 7 million, which is what we were collecting prior to COVID, that's really only able to cover current operations and programs without expanding or need to subsidize those with another fund. And then lastly, looking at other revenue sources to help fund some of these large projects that are currently unfunded. That can include increasing the lodging tax for event funding, TIF opportunities for the civic area plan, um, as well as summer parking. So I just wanna wrap up um, by making sure that I have your feedback. Are, is council okay with um, our standard budget philosophies and practices? Do you have any um, comments on preliminary revenue projections? Do you support the initial proposed operating fund uses that we went through? Would council support allocating property, keeping the property tax revenues um, and allocating them towards a specific purpose um, that could be housing? Or would you like staff to explore other options? Would you support a plan to fund future parking structure redevelopments? And then is there anything else you would like staff to be aware of as we build the 2024 budget? There were some good questions raised at the beginning. You know, mm -hmm. um, are are we? It's so hard to know what it's going to be like in, in the future. Is there a, a normal that we can, you know, go with? Um, you know, I think your your team has been very responsive when needed. Um, you know, and always having that sort of backup plan to adjust things as needed. So I really appreciate that. So that's it's good to know in case something does need to be adjusted quite quickly. Other thoughts on the overall philosophy starting out? Well, I've been sitting here a long time, and the town's always been pretty straightforward about making sure that we're fiscally responsible. And I see that in this budget all the way through. And uh, we, you know, Barry said we might not be conservative enough, but we've reacted pretty well every time something's come up. And we still do have the reserves, and like, Travis mentioned, you know, maybe we have to go back to 25% of reserves rather than 35%. You know, I mean, the time to spend the money is now when it's not going to cost us as much rather than trying to, to try start saving now for, especially the parking structures, makes a lot of sense. But we really do need to have that conversation with the county about all the monies we send down there and how very little we see trickle back this way. So it's time to, you know, just buckle down and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, 
it's great that you, you know, the rest of the county could get along without us if we became our own city and county, and we'd have a lot more money to spend up at the center of the valley. Yeah, I mean, there's some serious and direct needs that we're seeing here, so I think there could be some specific goals that you, you know, this council approaches the county with. Carly, what's the budget philosophy? Is it safety? That's our investment oh, policy. That's, our, that's, that's the truth. So I, I don't have to worry about that here. Yeah. <laughs> safety. In that yield, or in that order. <laughs> um, I mean, I, yeah, I think we, you guys do a great job. Um, you know, it's always great to have fund balances because it provides us opportunities to do things like Timber Ridge or Dobson, where, you know, we have the money, but we don't have it right now, right? VRA comes one year at a time um, to pay back. So, you know, having those healthy balances are health, <clears throat> very helpful. Obviously, you know, red scares me a lot. Um, you know, even if you pull out some of these costs, AIPP or whatever it might be, you, put, you know, that's not a game changer. You know, if, if this council decides to move forward with Booth Heights, I, you know, anything over the 12 million that was put out in the past, I feel like that has to come from the community. I, I, this community is not unanimously behind that acquisition, and so if all that money is supposed to come from the town, I just really think that's a disservice to our community, and it's, it's fiscally irresponsible. Like, I mean, I understand the, the, the way the majority of the council is moving forward on that, but I really do think that the economics have to be factored in, and there was a very vocal part of our community that said they were very willing to step up, and, you know, the last I heard that the sheep fund had you know, a few thousand dollars. And so but I- we decided I, not to go forward with that out of recommendations, legal recommendations. So yeah, that's- We decided to, I, well, we set it I up, mean, it's I out there. Yeah, it's so, out there, but you got, that takes work. It's not just gonna fill up. No, no, I, I agree. That's why I'm saying like there needs like that vocal group of the community that said that they was there with money. I mean, Rhett's empty at 12, right? And so, you know, I think it's good that it forces us to have conversations about prioritization and things like that, but it's just, it's kind of the reality of, of what it does to that one fund. Um, and it does, you know, that fund supports a lot of great things. And um, so we just got to look at the, the long-term um, impact on that. Um, I think that, you know, as Carly and Russ said, I think every FTE should have a housing component. You know, people people don't just have homes. And when a director or a higher level staff member leaves, like that doesn't just free up their home for the next person. Right, Greg? <laughs> for the right price, it could. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, it's indeed programmer getting harder. <laughs> so I just think that has to be a really, you know, that that is a very real component of, of hiring and also like making sure that staff that we do bring on, they see the opportunity to not just live in a one bedroom, but they see the opportunity to have a two bedroom or a three bedroom. And 
Maybe they want kids because they're crazy, or maybe they want nine dogs because they're crazy, or a garage. Nine, do <laughs> nine dogs and kids. Yeah, all of those things. So I think that just that's got to be very, you know, just a big part of you know how we're we're planning. Damn right. You know, our succession planning is going. How our onboarding is going. All that. Like, it's just a critical piece, and I think that if we can figure that that part of the Rubik's cube out, it will, you know further make us, you know, a great place to work and we will be sought out by employees that want to live in the mountains and feel like they can make a life in, in a community. Um, you know, I, I like to budget conservatively and then be surprised to the upside. So I would, I would stick with that. I think free summer parking to me is kind of core to our community. I know we've talked about paid parking everybody other people don't do it but like I think that it's you know we it's just a nice thing to have for locals during the summer well and I think we should advertise it a little bit more to the front range through our discover Vale, because if you're paying for parking in Breckenridge and Idaho Springs and Aspen during the summer and you don't pay for parking in Vale, it might help bring a few more people off that interstate uh, and then back to the RET, you know, we do send transfer tax to the county for open space acquisitions. Um, I think that should be a part of our conversation as well. You know, my understanding is that there has been minimal to no investment in open space. I think the Eastvale waterfall was the last one. Was it? Back in, you know, early 2000. So I think that's that's something that we should talk about. Um, and then, you know, setting aside some cash as it relates to the parking structures, I think having some sort of cash balance only would make any financing that much easier. You know, we're not scrambling. You know, I think that the finance department always does a great job of being able to be prepared to go out and pursue public financing. So building, you know, maybe we only do it we only do it for a couple of years just to have some money, but I don't know. I guess a couple of years is 10 years, and by then it's time to rebuild them. Yeah, and I think the lift tax should be looked at as well because the impacts to our town because of the mountain have only gotten larger and larger and larger between busing and parking and everything else. So I think that's a real connection to the, to the parking. And if we haven't ever raised that tax, it, we've gone around, I'm sure, in the, during the time that it's been in place, in other taxes. We've taxed ourselves more along the way. So I think you, you, ha, you, can, you can't go back and ask for an increase in a lodging tax or anything else if, you, if we haven't done something about increasing that. Would council like us to tee up just a, a future discussion in the budget process just about different revenue sources, what they potentially could generate, and how they could potentially tie it to Again, yeah. I, I see it just as an initial discussion. Yeah, what do you got? I just was going to, Kathleen, when we got together, like my first week in council to talk over, so I was trying to understand finance a little bit better. I think you explained to me that that typically VR has contributed more than the actual lift tax amount. Is that correct? That it was supposed to go to, to the, I, and, and I may be totally wrong, but I thought lift tax was X. They typically gave us double that, and that was to go towards the bus system. 
back in the day, lift tax started out at 2%, and then they voluntarily increased it to 4 to match our sales tax. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. And, so and that was the intent to help pay for the free bus yeah. service. And so they currently are contributing 4%, is that? Yes. It, which we haven't but been able to check that homework, but that's, uh, we've, we've trusted their judgment. Yeah. So our current lift tax is is set in stone at 2, but they contribute 4? No, it's 4. It's set in stone at four now. Okay. Yes. So that's law. I mean, that's. Yeah, and Matt can talk about yeah, the particulars yeah, they, of how it came down. There was a defined two percent, and then the two percent was voluntary. So they've always contributed the four. It just got formalized at four, so they couldn't take away the volunteer two. Okay, because that would be yes. my fear: is that if we had it at two and we said we're going to double it, and they said, okay, we're going to keep it the same, but. Um, Okay, thank you. Yeah, the other thing to remember is that all the sales tax that's collected on the mountain goes to Eagle County and okay. does not come back into our town. So, again, those impacts are, we're feeling the impacts, but we're not seeing the, the revenue stream. Is that the same for, like, ski school income? So well, I don't. They don't have sales tax. They don't have sales tax. No, no, no tax. Okay. Um, I wanted to go back to the, the um, housing comment that Travis made and like think about the continuum of housing so far the town has really only had the appetite um, for indeed to well maybe not indeed but to invest in the smaller units you know the ones and twos maybe but I think to that point like being able to have a progression of housing for people who want to live here town staff wise um, there's still homes out there that could be afforded by the town. You know, it's a stretch, but I think that the town should be more proactive. And I've mentioned, you know, even getting a, a realtor to help us identify some of those before they come on the market so we don't lose them. Got one sitting here. I know. Well, I mean, there's a lot of us that, I mean, I'm not trying to sell my home to you, but um, there's a few people that still have old homes that are you know, that are probably scrapers if other people were looking at them, but they're still decent homes for, for families. So I think maybe shifting a little bit and trying to think about that progression of housing so that you can have a, a real, you know, community here that, that has a little bit more space to live. And that, that's an active discussion that is now beginning to occur, particularly with Avon as we talk about the state land board site is thinking more in the Roaring Fork has done this. They've looked at, you know, from the seasonal housing, it's nice they're asking Skiko, raise their hand, said, we'll take care of seasonal housing, and then local governments taking care of the rest. But they're thinking through, you know, the whole progression from, you know, I have a significant other to, you know, oh my God, I'm gonna have maybe some kids or five dogs to now I'm even in retirement. Um, you know, so again, we haven't got there, but there is a discussion about really thinking critically about that entire progression of housing, which I think is kind of the next step for us and particularly the Upper Valley. Particularly the Upper Valley because, you know, there's just more and more employment opportunities down Valley and that's going to continue to grow and, you know, it, it becomes, it wears on you to, to drive back and forth between Chips and Midvale, right? Any thoughts, I guess, on the property tax? I know yeah. that was a specific mm -hmm. 
I was going to ask Travis what he thought. I mean, like, I, I'm not batting well on my opposition to my increases, but I, hopefully you're doing better. Yeah, I, think <laughs> we, I think we should bank any increases we get. One thing that was interesting was the home, potential homestead exemption. Um, so locals would benefit, second homeowners would still pay their full boat. Um, and we have Matt's firm researching uh, some options around that for us. But as far as interpretation, do we need direction from the state on that piece? Do we have the flexibility to do that? I believe we have the flexibility to do that, but um, Kendra's team is looking at okay. that and what our options are around that. So we'll bring that back to you. I think that's very significant <coughs> if you could differentiate you know, primary homeowners from second homeowners. So what sort of projection would you be comfortable with if not 47%? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> 25? We, yeah. we could. Yeah. Interesting to, to factor in if we were to do the homestead, what that right. would look well, like. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that's a different variable. If you could do that, <laughs> it I think that things. allows you to be more creative and sensitive to primary homeowners. Mm -hmm. Okay. We all just thought. Any other issues, things we need to think about as we're going through departmental budgets? Anything that you are uncomfortable with in the presentation? Well, in the in the memo, the parking structures both their their useful life ends around the same window, right? Uh, we're guessing between much. like ten and five years of each other. So it's just interesting to maybe map out a um, a thought exercise of like what the redevelopment those would look like in time like do what three years we'd do this one what three years we'd do this one and um that would be a really um that's gonna it'd just be an interesting thing to look at through a transportation model too right like because because that is going to force consumers to change the way they visit Vail. Yeah. and so if it were going to roll out with um you know, you could have everlasting positive change to getting people to change their mobility to and from the mountain when you eliminate 50% of our parking. Um, so as we think about that, like, what is our super long-term goal for mountain mobility? And, um, you know, like, I, I just think that that's something that we really need to be thinking about for the future and all these other levers we're pulling, how could we potentially influence guests and locals to travel to our town in a more environmentally friendly, a more, um, like I, I just think a lot of our, as people talk about how busy town is, like I think a lot of that's, you know, I, I think if you were to pull, a lot of that is compounded by traffic and cars. And I, I think that if the traffic and cars suddenly went away, it doesn't matter how many people are here, it's gonna feel a lot less busy. So um, just, I don't know. I, I'm looking for synergies there. Like as we map out our plan for implementing parking structures, how can we how can we pair that with better mobility? Well, one of the best ways to dissuade people from driving is charging for parking. Man, we're just making it so hard to park, right? You make yeah. something like I love free parking. Everybody does. But when you give somebody something for free, that's exactly how they treat it. Yeah. But I also think. Our summer guest is so different from our winter guests. Like they come, they, they drive here, they're off the freeway, they stop because they've heard it's awesome. 
Right. And then they, and I think, I don't, so it's going to be oh, yeah. super impactful to our summer revenue when one of those structures is gone. Absolutely. And like, I, I think more so than in the winter because I think winter people will figure out still how to come. I want to increase here. the opportunity for those stumble upon. You're driving through Colorado. You're going to stop that's here. Our, that's probably most of our, that's a lot of our summer guests. And our heaviest doing. lift is, we, I mean, I'm just thinking about this through the RTA board. Like our heaviest lift is getting Eagle County residents to think bus first. I mean, we have a hard time getting people in Vail to think bus first. So that's anything that we can... Anything that we can do to get people to start using anything with their car, like if we have things that are going to help us push that direction, I'm just sorry, I don't mean to drag us off of the ether. I'm just, hey, but you kind of suggesting, you know, we, we've talked around my numbers might be a little outdated here, you know, 400 net new spaces above and beyond what we have would be desirable to get to deal with our optimal parking need. But you're suggesting maybe looking at how RTA. Uh, better regional transit might affect you know what we may need in the future it might really affect it and it's just might be an opportunity for us to add some pressure towards a necessary culture shift right we saw this culture shift during covid people got off the bus like look at the bus data is there way ridership's way down people got in their cars more than ever one person driving a car to the structure and i don't care if that person's from edwards eaglevale or westvale like we need to we need something radical to change that culture back to getting people on transportation thinking bus first thinking alternate mobility it, it, as we go with the i think we call it go 45 vehicle 45 plan um long term what does it take to, to right size the demand because you know each new space is about a hundred thousand dollars so every space that you don't need saves that capital investment also when you reinvest it with regarding the life of the structures i'm not as worried because you guys fund a lot of the capital reinvestment if we weren't reinvesting in those structures um think of kind of the city market structure before they uh, went and, and did some work on them you know each year we have a structural engineer every other year we have a structural engineer walker structures really give us an assessment report provides that money you're going to be awarding a contract even tonight for additional work on our structure so as long as you keep investing in in maintaining them you extend that life uh, but you know you look how much you've invested over time it's it's, it's significant but um, by extending that life you're saving a major re um, you know I mean, if we, if we added 400 spots to our parking structures today, a huge percentage of those would get used by Eagle County residents and cars that were rented at the Eagle County Airport driven to that structure parked for a right. week. Like, right. it's if we suddenly added inventory, it would not make us more efficient. No, no, it, it, it's 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 a lot of your policies and and what's in place and, and our barrier on the RTA. And as soon as they can expand that service and that free service. Um, you know, the policies of how we deal with a lot of our ridership should be changing. And what's the timing of that? Um, we're going to be scheduling a work session yeah, we're, with you. August 1st, they're going to be on our agenda, so okay, we're cool. going to go through a ton of it. But it's it's coming fast. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Espresso on the buses. <laughs> yeah. That'll get people on there. Yeah. You got lots of headaches. Any other 
thoughts, comments, concerns? I had a question on the operating side. Uh, the, as you look at it at the end of the year here for 2023, how are the staffing levels? Were, were departments at their budgeted level or were they able to satisfy that or how did? Krista, do you wanna speak on that a little bit? Maybe Krista, just why don't you first just share, do we have any places with chronic vacancies, any acute challenges in, in recruiting? And there's probably a couple where we have ongoing challenges. There's a number of those. And actually year to date, our vacancies are down this summer, meaning we're being able to fill more of them uh, than we were able to during the winter. And so we're digging in a little bit to see if we can find some, some basis for some of that. Where have some of our successes come from in filling those and, and why? Uh, that said, we still do have some chronically challenged areas. Uh, specifically, dispatch is probably our most difficult. And so, you know, we're doing a number of things in that area to, to recognize our employees and the challenging circumstances that they have. Uh, I think Greg mentioned earlier some of the, the challenges we're seeing in the CDL arena of what other entities are doing is certainly putting some pressure on us. And so those are areas that I think are probably our two biggest challenges right now. And I, I don't expect that to, to change very dramatically. I think uh, the trend has been with virtually every hire, um, it's do we have a place to house that person um, or a connection that we can make for them in housing. And so that continues to be our greatest challenge that, you know, by far 90 plus percent of our new hires come in with a need for housing. And so helping make those connections and fulfill those <coughs> needs is, is our greatest challenge. So that begs why aren't we pushing a little bit more for the public works housing out there on that berm and having housing that we can transition people to or at least get them in for a year or two years you know, yeah. that needs to be revived and, and i was going to add kevin i mean you were here when we did buzzard had the first time that was yeah. 21 it was three one bedrooms and 21 studios that were for seasonal employees and we could have so had each 42 but got their own unit really um yeah now, it could have been 42 now, but the uh, anyway, all our seasonals are in, for the most part, shared housing, and we have our full-time people in those studios. And so um, a, a significant shift. So when we try to go hire bus drivers this, this fall, it's going to be very, very difficult. I think we have a plan for one year, but, um, it, you know, our game plan was that that was seasonal, mm -hmm. a, a very nice living situation. They got to live, you know, in a unit by themselves, and now that's significantly changed. We may have an opportunity to temper it. One, just to add on to, you know, that a little bit. Dispatch, that's an issue, national issue. You know, it's just, that's a tough, tough job. Um, with bus drivers, again, I think we're continuing to see market pressure there. Summit County just did a recent, uh, the unionized. And, uh, but there was a significant increase in pay. So that's something we're going to continue to fight, particularly in the CDL world. CDOT's getting more aggressive, um, particularly with the housing allowance. So that's just 
an ongoing market demand. The other thing we'll, we'll, we'll be looking at hard is we've grown the number of housing units. Uh, we haven't grown the resources with that. Um, so that's a, just an internal resource need that you know, I'm, I'm very much recognizing uh, that uh, we're just spending an enormous amount of time you know, putting, matching people with roommates, which is a huge endeavor in just maintaining our town of Vail deep restricted units. Um, so that's a resource that we'll be talking about in terms of FTEs. Good question, thank you. And the only other thing I'm looking at here is this timeline, and if you're gonna have the second reading after the election, that could blow up your budget. That's I said the same thing. Uh, <laughs> um, you guys will still be there because it oh, shifted. We to December, when we shifted right? to having the county handle the election, you guys will be there. Oh. <laughs> surprise, surprise. You'll still be here. Sorry, sorry to be the bearer of that. Say that again, please. When we shifted the election to the county, um, because they get in final results and a little later, longer, it takes me. that extra meeting. Um. <laughs> I got I got sworn in on Pearl Harbor Day. So. Are you calling in from Bali? <laughs> no, I think I think I really need that. First meeting in December is usually what it Question though, thank you for asking that. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck with me to learn. Yeah. Kevin, hopefully that still works. <laughs> Did you reset your countdown? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. One more. <laughs> <laughs> it's no joke. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for that surprise. No. Yeah, but no. all for <laughs> Not at all. No, I'm just like, oh, I might not well, be here. Carly, thank you. I mean, I, I think all of our questions have responded to your questions. Yeah, thank you for your feedback. I appreciate it. Thank you yeah. so thank much you. for all yeah. of your work in this mm -hmm. process and to all of everybody who helps you out with that. So. Well, to yeah. the organization yeah. as a whole, it's, yes. we've got a strong town. We've got a real strong force, so let's keep it. Thank you. I can offer for us now. Carly can check this off her list right now. No. Yep. <laughs> are, are we going to see you in two weeks? Yeah. No, you will not. <laughs> 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 I got a little nervous last night. Um, logistically, Steph, we're checking your phone. 12.30, council chambers. Right. So at 12.30, um, you'll have your uh, joint meeting with VRD take a 10 minute break so we can switch the room back over and then we'll go back into the regular afternoon meeting. And you should be done around 4.30ish for a break and then back at six. Evening short. Evening should be very short. Thank All right, you. thank you. So we're convening at 12.30 in the regular meeting room.